0: We're, we are in Luke chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 8, and in our uh, study of this passage, we're looking at the parable of the lamp, and I've entitled the message, Listen Carefully, Listen Carefully. Let me read as, I, as we begin looking at the passage. So this is Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 16. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed. But sets it on a lampstand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will, not be, that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Now Jesus begins this parable with a practical lesson. He says, No one... When he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. Now, I've got a couple of pictures there. Hey, Ben, I had a lamp up here. Colin, did you guys take it? Where's my lamp? Anybody pilter the lamp that was up here? All right, I guess it's gone. Micah, did you take it? Where's Micah? Micah, did you take my lamp? Can you hear me? All right, just pretend I'm holding the lamp. I had this little, nice little lamp. It was a fancy schmancy lamp. It's one of those uh, touristy kinds of things, and it was about this big. And uh, it would have been the kind of lamp that they would have lit. You put some oil in it, and they light it up. Um, It didn't have to be as fancy. I mean, I, I fell into the tourist trap, and I had to buy the fancy one, right? You know, to bring it home with me and to show everybody. But uh, they could have been just real simple little jars with, uh, uh, do you have my lamp, Micah? Did you take my lamp? You did. What? No? Okay. Somebody took my lamp. I'm out for blood now. I want my lamp. No, anyway. So they would have had a little bowl and uh, put some oil in it, and they would have lit, and it would have given some, some light. Jesus said, when you light the lamp, you don't hide it under a bushel or a basket, nor do you hide it under the bed. So uh, why would anybody want to do that? You light the lamp it's so that everybody can see the light, and you wouldn't take some kind of basket and cover and hide the light, and you wouldn't stick it under the bed. Now, this is a bed frame, a picture of a bed frame Um, Back then, they would have rolled up. They would have had mats that they laid on the floor, and so they would have rolled them up or unrolled them. But they also had beds, much like we have, sitting on a bed frame like this. And uh, this, obviously, is what Jesus had in mind. You wouldn't take the lamp that you have lit and slide it under the bed in order to dim the light. You wouldn't do that. If you're going to light the lamp, you're going to put it on a a lampstand, which would have been something like this, and you just take, you know, I could take uh, the candle here. So here's my lamp, guys. This is not an oil lamp, but I'm borrowing the Fry's lamp uh, here, and I hope uh, I don't break it so they can take home this nice lamp that they've got. So you take it, you put it on a lamp stand. It would have been some kind of pedestal like this, or maybe on the wall there would have been a shelf, and you would have, you would stick the lamp on the shelf in order to give as much light as possible to the room. So as Jesus is giving this practical illustration that they would have understood, he is really conveying a couple of things. First of all, the light must shine. You don't light it and hide it, unless you have something to hide. But the light must shine. You light it and you set it out so that the light shines. That's the first thing. The second thing that he's conveying here is that as the light shines, it basically reveals what's in the darkness so that you can see. I mean, that's the whole point. So you don't trip and stumble and you can see each other and so on and so forth. So that's the main idea here that Jesus is conveying by this very practical illustration. Now, he uses this practical illustration to go into the heart of the parable. And as we talk about the parable, I want to look at the first part here in verse 17. And my point is this. All things will be revealed all things will be revealed. Verse 17, notice it says, for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. And as we consider this when it says nothing and um, there is nothing hidden and all things will come to light, we see and understand that God is the great revealer of all things. When he says All things will be revealed. Everything will be revealed. God is the one who reveals all things. He is the one who knows all things. He is the great revealer, if you will. And so we look to God and we understand that nothing is hidden from God. There are a couple of verses here. It says in Psalm 44, 21, for God knows the secrets of the heart. Now, none of us would you know, kind of have to think about this. We all understand if God is who he says he is, then he knows what's going on inside of me, right? I mean, we can give all the appearance that we want to the people that are around us, and we can say all kinds of things to give a certain impression, but uh, inside there might be some other things that are going on. There might be other struggles. There might be other burdens. There might be other sins inside in the heart that nobody sees. That surround us, but God sees the heart. He knows exactly what is going on on the inside. Now on the one hand, I might be a little bit uh, threatening. If God, you know, can see into my heart, then he knows, you know, what's, what's going on. and He knows my struggles. He knows my deepest secrets. But on the other hand, that can be comforting. I don't have to hide who I am before God. I don't have to hide I don't have to hide my struggles. I don't have to pretend that I'm super strong before God. He knows what is inside, He knows what's going on. And so we can take comfort from that if we belong to Him. In the next verse here, Romans chapter 2, verse 16 says, In that day, there's coming a day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, it gives us comfort that God can see into our hearts because we know that God is on our side or we're on God's side, right? We have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have asked him to forgive us of our sins. We have entered into a personal relationship with him. And so we are not afraid to have our heart revealed. But for those who don't believe, this could be very threatening. There is a day of judgment coming in which he will expose everything. And he will bring to bear the judgment against sin. And he will be completely right to do so. Because he knows what is going on inside of each one of us. And so it is a scary day, this day of judgment for the unbeliever. But for us, it is a comfort to know that God knows what is going on. And, and just, to, just to kind of put it in our context here, uh, we look, as we consider all of the people that are around us, each one of us have things that's going on on the inside of our hearts. And as believers in Christ and as a church that has come together, there ought to be a certain compassion and mercy and sensitivity that we exhibit towards one another. Um, you know, we might talk with one another and, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, and there's a big smile on the face, but inside there's pain and there's heartache and there's, there's, uh, there's trouble. Uh, we can understand that and we can know that and we can come up alongside and even though somebody doesn't share with us what's happening with them or what's going on on the inside, we can know as Christians that there is something there and that we can always pray for one another and help one another and support one another. And so this is a great encouragement for us that comes to us because God is the one who knows the secrets of our heart. Now, when Jesus is saying that uh, all things are going to be revealed, there are two possibilities of what he is talking about. And we get this from several passages of Scripture, not just the one that we're looking at. But the first possibility is this. When Jesus said that that what is hidden will be revealed, he might be talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Because when Jesus Christ came, the kingdom of God had broken forth upon humanity. Here he was. The king of the kingdom, and he had come to the people of God in order to declare the coming of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is saying, Look, declare it. The kingdom has come. It has been hidden, but now it is revealed. And so we can see in passages like Matthew chapter 10, verse 26 and 27. And we'll see the same ideas from that which we read in Luke. It says in this passage, Therefore, do not fear them. That's other people. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever, now, now here is the application for us as believers. Whatever I tell you, whatever he tells us, in the dark, speak in the light. And what, it you, and what you hear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to, to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now this is a sobering passage, but what Jesus is saying is that the word that he gives to us as his people, we are to declare forth. We are to ring it forth. We are to speak it out in this dark world. We are to tell this world as disciples of Jesus. We are to tell this world about Jesus. And that there is forgiveness of sins. As a matter of fact, there is this expectation that we have as the children of God that we take the light and bear it to this world and tell tell the world about Jesus. And so this is what we do. And we should not be afraid. He says, don't be afraid of men. We live in a day when it is becoming more and more difficult to speak out publicly and to proclaim the faith. There is, there is this animosity that, has, that exists in the world that suppresses us from speaking or causes us to fear to speak or to uh, the, the backlash sometimes is just, uh, just shocking, especially in social media. If you dare say anything about being a Christian or about what Christians believe, the backlash is just, I just cannot believe it, but uh, we must not be afraid we must not fear those who can kill the body but cannot touch our souls. Instead, we have to listen and yield ourselves to the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so we are the bearers of the light. We are to let our light so shine before men. This is part of what we're doing with the child dedication. The parents become the light to their children of Jesus. When the children look to their parents, they see Jesus in them. They see what being a Christian is all about. They see how to live and how not to live. The parents serve as the example to the children. They serve as the light. And so they light this candle just in a symbolic gesture that they will be the light to their children. And of course, it's not just the parents, but it's us as a church. We stand as a testimony, as a witness as well to one another and to the world of the light of the word of God. And so we are to live it out in this world. Another passage, Matthew chapter 5, this time, verses 15 and 16, says, "Nor do they put it nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men." And and notice what letting your light shine means. It means this, that they may see your good works And glorify your Father in heaven. And so we go out into this world, we speak the truths of the kingdom, we live it out, and men see it in us. They see our good works, and it causes them to glorify God in heaven. And so this is one of the meanings of this passage that Jesus is referring to, as we see from these other things. But. In our passage, in Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18, I think that this second meaning is the one that is emphasized in this passage. Not only is the kingdom of God hidden, but here it is, the secrets of the heart are hidden. And like I said earlier, we all have these things that are inside that maybe nobody else knows about except Him. And so we see in some other passages and I'll come back to Luke chapter 8 in a moment. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, for example, says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, that each one's praise will come from God. Then each one's praise will come from God. So he is the one who will reveal the secret things of the heart. Now, this is what our passage is talking about, and it comes right on the heels of the parable of the sower. You remember that parable, right? The sower went out to sow, and he sowed his seed, which is the word of God, and some fell on the what ground? The, 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 what, the first, the, the one that was like, it didn't penetrate, the, the, hard, the hard ground. It fell on the hard ground, and then there's the rocky ground, and then there's the thorny ground, and then there's the good ground, right? Right? So this is the parable of the sower, and Jesus is speaking right on top of that. And so in this context, he says in verse 17, when he says, there is nothing secret that will not be revealed, he is talking about what is going on inside the heart. And we all have some things that are going on in the heart. So so here it is, and none of us are excluded from this. First of all, there is this hardness of heart that we have to deal with in our own lives. I'm not talking about Christian or non-Christian here. I'm talking about all of us. There is a certain hardness that we have to deal with. This hardness can manifest itself and maybe an indifference to the things of God. You don't think about God. You don't not think about him. You know, it's just kind of, eh, you know, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And Sometimes I feel like it and sometimes I don't. You know, that's kind of the hard heart, the indifferent heart. You don't really care that much. You care when it's fitting or whatever, or you don't think about it so much. That is the hard heart. And you know, sometimes that's just where we're at. Sometimes, even myself, you know, I listen to a message or I'm reading the Bible, and, you know, it's just kind of like I'm reading the words, but it's just nothing that's happening. It's not making any impact in my life. There's a certain hardness for that day, for whatever reason... And it's preventing the word from penetrating my heart. And we have to deal that, with that. We're, we're imperfect humans and there is this struggle. But also there is the, the, uh, the rocky ground where trials and temptations, he says, they come in and the, the, the word cannot take root and when the sun beats down on it, it withers and dries uh, up. And so we struggle with temptations. And this does not allow the Word of God to take root and to take hold in our lives. So our temptations, the sinful things that we love, the things that maybe we're not willing to give up. Now remember, this is going on on the inside. We're all there to some extent. We struggle with our insecurities. We struggle with our anxieties. We struggle, struggle with our fear. We struggle with our worry. And whenever we are fearful and we are worrying and there are insecurities and anxieties, this chokes out the truth of the word because it is contrary to the promises that God has given us in it. Sometimes we look at our trials and we think, they're too hard. This is just too hard. What I'm going through is just too hard. I can't handle this. We feel like we are beating up. We feel like we're laying on the ground and we've just been kicked in the gut. And it's just hard for us to get up. It's hard for us to take the word of God and to allow it to penetrate into our, our hearts. I was talking to a couple of people. Sue, I told her I wouldn't say too much, but I didn't tell her I wouldn't embarrass her. So Sue, would you raise your hand? All right, there's Sue. She's standing up. There you go. That's Sue. Sue and uh, Gary Baker have been coming to our church for a little while now. They had come several years ago, but uh, we're glad to see them back again and and uh, Sue went in for an MRI, and they found a spot on her lung. Some of you may have seen it in the, the prayer email list that I send out, sent out. So, you know, you go to the doctor, and they do an MRI, and they find a spot, and all of a sudden, it's like all this fear, and anxiety, and worry just comes in. What, what is going on? Do I have cancer? What, what is this going to mean? How is this going to change my life? And so they had another test that was scheduled and, and from the time they took the first test until the time from the se- for the second test, there's this, what, what is going to happen? There is the potential for fear and anxiety to come in and that fear and anxiety fights against the faith that we're struggling to have. Now praise the Lord, she went in this past week and they did another more thorough MRI and there was nothing there. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Terry Duggar went in um, I guess it was this past week and he had an MRI as well for prostate cancer and uh, so he went in and had the test and we were talking about how you know they 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 know the nurses who do the test they know what's going on but they're not allowed to say anything and he's got another follow-up I think or he hasn't heard back from the doctor yet so first of all if you've ever been in that situation there's anxiety leading up to the test right like, what are they going to find? And then after you have the test, they don't tell you anything. So there's more anxiety until you do hear from them. So in all of this period of time, there is the potential for your anxieties and your fears and your worries and your insecurities to rise up and to threaten your faith in God. It, is a, it becomes a struggle all of a sudden in order to keep your focus upon God. This is what we're talking about here. These are the kinds of struggles that we have inside of our heart when uh, these pressures come in upon us. But there is another kind of heart, and this is the thorny uh, kind of heart. This is where the cares and the pleasures of this world kind of choke out the word. This is where we are distracted by the things that are going on around us. We love other things. It might be food that we love. It might be uh, our... uh, our uh, entertainment that we love, our leisure, our pleasure, our families, our activities, our clubs, our sports. We might love sleep. How many of you love sleep? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to see. We love sleep. We love our shows. We love our music. We love our social media. We love these things. And they distract us. We love our work. We love our hobbies. We love our jobs. What? Who loves, our, who loves their job? I don't know. Maybe I should take that out. We love our ideas, we love our philosophy, we love other things. And to the extent and the degree that we love these other things, that can choke out the truth of the word of God because in the end we are to put him first and to love him above everything else. And then we're free to enjoy these other things. But there is the threat, there is the temptation that the pleasures of this life and the cares of this life, they will choke out our response to the Word of God, and we have to be careful there. And then, of course, there's the good ground. There's the ground that we've cultivated and we've prepared. We've removed the rocks. We've removed the, the, the weeds, and the heart is ready to receive the Word of God, and it produces fruit. And that's where we want to be. That is our goal. That is where we hope to end up. And as we consider this, this is the point of the passage that Jesus is uh, leaving for us in verse 18 he says therefore so here's the point therefore take heed how you hear now he doesn't say take heed to what you hear he says take heed to how you hear and i think it's significant that he is expressing this parable following directly after the parable of the sower and the seeds because we have to pay attention that's what it means to take heed. Pay attention. Give attention to how, how you hear the word of God. It's, again, it's not, the question is not what we're hearing. It's understood to be the word of God. We are going to hear the word of God. It is coming to us. How are we going to hear it? And that's what we have to give attention to. See that you scrutinize your heart and your life as to how you are hearing the word. So there is this preparation of the heart that is necessary. Some of you like to, to garden. I mentioned a garden before, but uh, I don't do a whole lot of gardening. But I do like to grow some things. And uh, one of the, there are two frustrations that I have. In our raised bed, there are all of these rocks. And no matter how much I, you know, rake them up and try to get rid of them, it just seems like they multiply. I can't understand it. So some of you green thumbers out there, you can maybe help me to understand it. And of course, the biggest uh, uh, pain is all the weeds that pop up all over the place. I didn't plant them. How did they get there? And no matter how much I pull them, they just kind of like grow. We had this, uh, there's this, the fence between my yard and the next yard. And and I remember, you know, there were these trees that started to grow in the middle of the fence. And so I would cut them down. And every time I cut them down, they it would like kind of multiply right there. You know, I would just come out the next day and it was like, what? There's five of them now. And uh, now it's this, it's this big tree with a trunk this thick, right? The fence is like right, it grew, grew right around the fence. And it's sitting right there. And I just have to chop off the top every, every year. Um, so it doesn't grow because it had, you know, just have grown into our, uh, the wires that come into the house and all that. That's what a pain, right? So the rocks and the weeds, those are the, the biggest thing. And so we have to pay attention. We have to take care to how we are hearing. We have to prepare our hearts to receive the word of God. Because it is not an automatic thing, even if we're a Christian, that we're going to take the word of God and it's going to flourish in our lives. I think we can all give testimony to that, regardless of where we are, we're at or the reason for it. It is not an automatic thing that just because we hear the Word of God or that we're in church or we read our Bible every day, just because we do that, it is not automatic that it is going to flourish and bring forth fruit in our lives. And the reason is because of all of these distractions and the hardness and the, the weeds and all of that. We have to prepare our heart to receive the Word of God. Get, the, get rid of those rocks in your heart. Get rid of those weeds in your heart. Uh, chop up that hard heart and receive the word of God. Now, here's is, here is what he says about that. He says, take heed how you hear. And notice what he says next. Now, now, here is the principle for how to grow as a Christian. How do you grow? How do I grow as a Christian? How can I grow faster as a Christian, and here it is, take heed or pay attention to how you hear. Whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away from him. So here it is. How do I grow? Well, if I am faithful in cultivating it as it comes to me, I will be given more. But if, if I don't do anything to help cultivate that word, I will lose even what I think I have. And so the principle for growth here is this. Pay attention to how you are hearing. Prepare your heart. And as you prepare it, little by little, for what he is revealing, little by little, little by little, it begins to grow and to multiply and to expand. And your life will become fuller and fuller in the presence of the Lord. So, don't harden your heart. Don't allow the temptations and trials to interfere. Don't allow the cares and the pleasures of this world to interfere, but have a good heart. And we are here to encourage one another in the right direction. We're all struggling in some way. We're all struggling in some way. And we are here as a church, not just this church, but every true church that preaches the Word of God. We are here to encourage one another to keep on going together in the right direction for the glory of God. Of the Lord, And I love how it says it in uh, verse 15. If you go back up to 8.15, just before our parable, it says, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Isn't that great? That is great. So may that be the, the cry of our heart. May that be what we take with us this morning that we are going to cultivate our heart the best that we can and little by little we will allow the word of god to fall into a good heart and to grow and to abound in our lives to his glory all right um at this point uh, let me read to you a passage